0: Hey, top news listeners, this is Luke Garrett.
1: And Megan Cloherty. We're the hosts of WTOP's daily local news podcast, The DMV Download. Don't worry, top news from WTOP isn't going away, but we wanted to drop in and give you a taste of what we're producing, a podcast that goes deeper into the biggest stories of the day.
0: If you like what you hear, head over to the DMV Download podcast and subscribe. It's Monday, September 19th.
1: From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is The DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org.
0: Today, as area companies ask their employees to come back to work in person, we're seeing a shift not only in work patterns, but commuting patterns. Jack McDougall from the Greater Washington Board of Trade tells us how companies are reevaluating the value of working in person.
2: It's no longer about a ping pong table and a beer mm. tap. You can't bring people into the office and expect them to do Zoom calls all day.
1: And WTOP traffic reporter Dave Dildine tells us how a change to hybrid work this time of year is disrupting what you can predict for your commute.
3: You know, the rush hour is getting a little bit more uh, intense. And again, from day to day, it's a little less predictable.
1: Plus, how did Luke do driving a manual transmission car for the first time in France?
0: Let's just say it didn't go as planned. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett.
1: And I'm Megan Cloherty. For many workers, work from home is becoming a thing of the past. Many companies in our area are urging workers to come back into the office a few days a week and shifting what the workday looks like when you're there. A change like that's going to have an impact on our region's economy.
0: Joining us now to talk about it is Jack McDougall, president and CEO of the Greater Washington Board of Trade. Jack, thanks for being here. Oh, sure. Thanks for having me. So it really feels like we're in this new phase of post-pandemic normal and while working from home may never totally go away are we really seeing employers become more hardline when they're you know asking workers to come back into the office is that a trend you're seeing
2: i don't know if i would describe it as hardline uh at this point so if you go back over the course of the pandemic we've had a lot of false starts yeah mm. coming back uh and so that's probably impacted the way a lot of people are thinking about this mm mm-hmm. And so as employers are recommending or suggesting that their employees come back for a couple of days a week, and if that's not a good experience for people, uh, they're evaluating, then what does that look like going forward? So I, I, we're still, it seems like we're still a little bit in, envir- in an experimental phase, mm. uh, but it does seem that more employers are, they're open and they're encouraging employees to come back at least some of the time.
1: It feels like to me, and of course, this is anecdotal, Jack, which is why we have you here, that people are saying, oh, you know, I'm getting a little pressure to come back three days a week or whatever. Is that happening because employers look to each other and say, "Okay, well, Marriott is doing this or Deloitte is doing this. Maybe we should jump on that train now because we're not the only ones asking someone to come back. Is that something that happens in business?
2: Well, I think when you when you look at your peers, you want to make sure that you are still within some boundaries But as we continue this real battle for talent, Mm -hmm. there's still a real emphasis at trying to attract and retain talent by providing the best work experience that you can. Interesting. What does that look like? It's still a little bit different in some cases. And so I don't I wouldn't suggest that we can make any sort of overarching conclusions here. And to your point, I think a lot of it is still anecdotal. Um, but still, employers are offering employees lots of different types of incentives, mm-hmm. um, but with an eye on you know we'd like to have them in the office at least some of the time.
0: So when you cast your gaze, you know across the D.C. region, are, is there any company that's doing something you know interesting, new, or just kind of notable in this in this issue?
2: Companies in this region tend to be pretty good anyway with workplace environment. Uh, with transit and transportation benefits and things like that. Um, I know for a while EY was helping some of their employees with childcare. Mm-hmm. But as you know, childcare is a real serious issue for a lot of families, and there aren't enough childcare services available. And so that does make it hard in some cases to come back to work. Uh, And so that's why we see a lot of companies still trying to figure out what the best solution is.
1: Remember back like where you were hearing about companies in San Francisco like Google who would offer, oh, they have like the coolest cafeteria and you can work from home some days. You can bring dogs in. And now it feels like it's that idea that employers have to kind of like you're saying benefits. Like what can we do that's going to make it somewhere where people want to work?
2: One thing I would suggest, particularly from, you know, uh, a lot of the employers that we talk with and our members, is the conversations are very sophisticated. You know, it's no longer about a ping pong table and a beer mm. tap, but it's really about the quality of life experience, the work experience, productivity. You can't bring people into the office and expect them to do Zoom calls all day. Right. So when you bring them into the office, you know, so we're talking a lot more about that. So what is it that you want people to do when they're in the office? And so you see now a lot of employers are working to redesign their space. Mm, Interesting. How do we make our space more collaborative? And because, well, some of those perks are nice and I'm not dismissing them or saying that we shouldn't offer certain perks like that, uh, like ping pong tables or whatever the case may be. But people want to work. And they want to be productive and they want to put in a good day. And so how do you create the opportunity? It's funny. I remind people, remember before the pandemic, how much we would lament the fact that coming to the office wasn't productive (laughs) and people were spending too much time chit-chatting or doing all the other things. Well, Mm. now we've done a complete 180. It's like, well, we need them back in the office. So, you know, so it's somewhere in the middle. It will ultimately work best here. And so I think it's just finding out what that what that middle looks like
1: like the what's the value of me being physically in person so maybe you change up the week or change up the work day so it makes more sense
2: right you know and obviously there's a lot of people out there that have a duty station that they have to report to work they're critical you know whether they're in healthcare or they're in communications technicians or you know fire law enforcement you know transit workers i mean you go on there's a whole list of people that have to be where they are and so yeah. that's a whole other conversation to think about You know, what is the value of work and how is it that we can, you know, uh, provide the best sort of work environment for those folks, for folks working in an office, uh, for folks in services industries and others? Yeah. What is it that you're asking them to do with their time? You know, and if you just have to sit and make a few phone calls, you can very easily do that at home or at a remote location. You really don't need to come to the office for that. Mm -hmm. But if you're putting a big pitch together for a client meeting, you very well may need to be in the office to do that. Mm. And so it's trying to sort through, well, what does that really look like? Hmm.
0: And when we zoom out, how do you think this will impact the D.C. region? You know, we have downtown districts. We have places in our city where there are a lot of office buildings, but they are 40 percent filled at this point. You know, it's going to change neighborhoods, It's going to change regions. What's your take on that?
2: I would say for the long term, we're going to see a lot more placemaking. So what we are seeing over at Crystal City yeah. with the innovation campus and with uh, Amazon, you know, so you're going to see a lot more people actually moving into the neighborhoods where they work. Mm. You'll see a lot more people, uh, you know, developing sort of a, a neighborhood approach to how they're doing things. So placemaking is going to become really important, I think, over the long term. Mm. You know, in the short term, uh, it will have an impact as people continue to sort through these issues. Uh, and that will take that'll take some time.
1: Jack McDougall, President and CEO of the Greater Washington Board of Trade, thank you so much for that insight.
2: Great, thank you. And
0: after the break, how does where you work affect how you get there? We talked to WTOP's Dave Dildine about why weather is making this all worse.
1: Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives.
0: Thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like this show, give us five stars and leave us a review on Apple Podcast.
1: We love hearing from you guys, and your reviews really do help other listeners find this. Our area's only in-depth daily local news podcast.
0: And thank you for making us a part of your day. Just last week, 40% of D.C. area workers schlepped their way back into the office. That's according to Castle with a K, a security company that makes office key fobs. Their data shows that more DMV residents are returning to the office as the pandemic fades, begging the question, how will this new normal of hybrid in-person work affect us?
1: One way to understand where the nation's capital stands on this issue is through the lens of traffic and the changing commuting patterns associated with this partial return to work. For that, we bring in WTOP traffic reporter Dave Deldine. Thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so summer is over, school is back in person, and like we said at the top, Workers are slowly coming back in person as well. Some companies requiring full, you know, five days, some three days a week. How are we seeing that affect trends in traffic, specifically commuting times?
3: A lot more variability from day to day. In general, this time of the year, you do tend to see an increase in travel volumes. And we have anecdotally and numerically. We've, uh, we've noticed that, uh, especially last week. I went back and looked at some data. Uh, compared to the second week in July, we've jumped up on the Beltway about five ten thousand 10,000 trips. Wow. Uh, when you think about 200,000 as the average, give or take, uh, that's still statistically significant. Yeah. Uh, but there's, you know, Monday through Friday, a lot more variability. We tend to see more traffic midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday, and especially Thursday. Uh, that seems to be when the bulk of the people are commuting. And, of course, commuting mm-hmm. is one of the big driving forces behind what governs our rush hour, whether Mm. it's a little swifter or a little slower. That
1: makes sense though, the Monday, like Mondays and Fridays, if you're gonna take time off and work from home, that would be the day, right?
3: Less
0: of a rush hour, more of a rush day slash hour.
3: Yeah, yeah, and all the more reason to just remain on your toes and flexible, because remember, You know, if a commuter experiences a really bad rush hour one day, they might have more flexibility than they did pre-pandemic. The next day they'll go to their boss that morning and say, hmm, I don't really want to go through that again. Do you modify telework? And so if enough of a batch of our commuters do that at once, Mm -hmm. regardless of what day it is, our total volumes fall and the likelihood of congestion drops that day. But we're not going to know that at the time. We're Mm -hmm. not going to know ahead of time. We're just going to experience day by day.
0: So, Dave, will this unpredictability in when we'll see rush hours ever end? I mean, will we ever be able to predict when these high volumes of traffic are going to happen like we used to before the pandemic? Or will it always be uncertain from this point forward?
3: Yeah, you got to remain on your toes. It's, uh, you know, before the pandemic, it was a lot more predictable because our highways were packed. And, you know, commuters tend to know when something subtle changes in their commute. They might not be able to pinpoint exactly what it is incidents aside there are larger scale governing forces of traffic uh commuting getaways obviously is one of them and weather and it's not the weather you expect it's the 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 rainy snowy days are more volatile more crashes, but it's those mild spring and fall days that really make for a bad rush hour. And that's something a lot of people don't realize. Why?
1: Because yeah. people leave earlier or, or they want to get home or whatever.
3: Yeah. Uh, ah. There's there's just more uh, hooky days. Uh, there, are, <laughs> there are more <laughs> recreational trips. Yep. And it's just a lot less predictable. And there's just higher volumes overall, especially if those warmer, mild days are later in the week, like a Thursday or Friday for a three or four day weekend.
1: So a recent report from INRIX, which is a transportation research organization, found a bunch of things, including that. Um, a.m. Um, and p.m. volume increased in the D.C. region, but it doesn't necessarily mean that traffic increased. Can you talk about that? Does that make sense to you?
3: Yeah, the rush hours are more compressed, I think, is what the INRIX data shows. The, there's a, a larger spike as of last week in the morning rush hour and just kind of a more gradual distribution of traffic midday and right mm. through the afternoon. Also, the rush hours are lasting a bit longer in the afternoon and the evening. Mm. Some of our congestion on the Beltway didn't clear out until 8, 8.30, and that was just volume. So. Uh, it's you know the rush hour is getting a little bit more uh, intense, um, and again from day to day it's a little less predictable. Mm.
0: And NREX also showed that you know traffic fatalities and accidents and incidents have increased after the pandemic really started. So is that connected to this higher intensity of traffic that more people are just getting into accidents?
3: Uh, more traffic, more opportunity for right. um, you know mishaps and and less margin for error for sure. Uh, also. Important to remember that we're heading into a time of the year where statistically, even pre-pandemic, traffic volumes increase and also crash counts tend to increase, especially the uh, more serious Mm -hmm. pedestrian-related crashes, uh, because we're heading into a time of the year where we're losing daylight, and especially with the Mm. loss of daylight saving time, uh, we expect that. Unfortunately, that's something that happens every year.
1: You have lower sun in the sky, which is like blinding you sometimes. They talk about this every year. Right. And you have it's getting darker earlier. So people aren't used to, oh, I'm just going to zip around this corner like I usually do. And they don't see somebody.
3: Mm. And more people are traveling by car um, because of, you know, weather that's not quite as nice for walking or mass transit. Huh. Uh, and um, and so, yeah. And, and people just generally tend to get more stressed out this time of the year, too. We're getting right. closer to the holidays. Mm. So, you know, more <laughs> stress. Yeah, more Reckless driving, unfortunately.
1: I wonder, too, how much it has to do with the changing speed limits. A lot of, like, speaking of the pandemic, a lot of cities and municipalities have changed things to try and make things safer, right, Mm. for people who are on bikes and walking around. And for drivers getting used to that idea, right, even on Connecticut Avenue, Luke mentioned to me the uh, speed limit has only gone down by 5 miles per hour from 30 to 25, but it makes a difference. It kind of slows things down a little bit. People get a little frustrated and aggressive. Can you speak to that at all? Do you think some of these safety um, implementations are maybe, in the least, in the short term, making things a little less safe.
3: Uh, there's different. There's a bunch of different mentalities on the road at any one time. If there are enough people in a group who are law abiding and and understand the idea, uh, then I think in general the 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 concept is that it'll get safer. Obviously, the, the lower speed limits, but. Uh, it's only effective up to the point where a certain number of people buy into the concept, right? Because yeah. there it only really takes one or two uh, hyper aggressive drivers, selfish drivers, to mm. um, you know cost somebody their lives, so um, you know and and interfere with the total flow of traffic. So uh, I don't know if that answers your question. It does. But, I mean, uh, I think
1: it's like anecdotal, but I was just wondering because you've seen speed limits. I mean, even bike lanes, stuff like that. The roads have changed slightly.
3: Yeah, they have. Again, I think uh, the safety advocates would say tell you that it, it, re-engineering a road to force the worst the worst drivers is ultimately what's going to increase safety and, right. and you know streamline throughput but it's a very com- complicated concept and there's a lot of uh, debate obviously to to come back and forth mm-hmm. also uh mass transit ridership there's a, there's a lot oh, of yeah. the, the, you know traffic is incredibly complicated so you look at all of the uh forces that overlap to, to create a rush hour or getaway or, or whatever kind of uh pattern you're looking at and uh, mass transit ridership has also increased, but there's also uh, still a little bit of reluctance to take it. So there are probably mm. more commuters uh, solo uh, in cars and uh, the yellow blue line shut down as well. I think that had a, uh, an impact on our rush hours uh, since uh, Labor Day, especially at the Potomac River bridges. We were noting that in some of our traffic reports.
1: All the while, a stretch of Virginia's long-anticipated 66 express lanes are open for business. Dave did, like, a tour of that that you can see on WTOP.com, which is actually really cool. But it's giving people another option um, from Route 29 in Gainesville to Route 28 in Centerville. Um, What differences are you seeing that make? I mean, are people using it? Is it freeing things up a bit?
3: We're in the acclimation period, but tolls are going to kick in real soon. And I think in general, for the afternoon rush hour, it's... It's been an improvement. It's hard to tell, though. We need a little bit more time because we were in the the summer lull. We're we're just entering traffic season. But the rush hours are definitely better uh, westbound in the afternoon, and that's because we have more capacity. Uh, When the tolls kick in, we'll see how the demand pricing Mm. congestion controls kick in, and and if that alters the traffic flow a little bit, probably will. But there are more lanes, so clearly it's going to be helping the PM flow westbound between Centerville and Gainesville, and it certainly is. Well, Dave, we won't keep
0: you from the traffic center any longer. Thank you for joining (laughs) us and helping us understand where we are.
3: You're welcome to keep me out of the traffic center for as long as you want. It's been awfully stressful these days. so We appreciate it. Thanks,
1: Dave. And before we go, guess who's back? (laughs)
3: Luke's back
0: from France. You've
1: been listening to Luke, so you know he's back. But (laughs) I'm very excited. How was your trip?
0: It was solid. Fantastic trip. The Parisian people and the French people in general were, were really fantastic.
1: Yeah? Wait, yeah. like just friendly? Or? Oh, yes,
0: yeah. Let me back up for a second. So, I rented a car, right?
1: Obviously. To, we talked uh, about it for weeks.
0: <laughs> get around. The,
1: manu- the manual transmission manual transmission. I, yeah. I
0: learned how to drive stick shift car successfully. I get to the Hertz, rent the car.
1: Isn't it La Hertz? La Hertz? No.
0: <laughs> I guess. I have no idea. No, okay. I get in the car, check engine light goes on. Okay, switch to another stick shift car. All is well. I'm driving stick shift masterfully, I would say.
1: You were able to reverse. You did the weird copy. Oh, popping. yes. Pull, yeah, like Pull up the...
0: Uh-huh. Anyway, um, stick shift driving is going well. We're 30 minutes outside of Paris, and then I get the air pressure from the tire. Light goes on. Okay. I get out of the car to check it, and I can hear the, the wheel tire. whizzing, just like, and I see this, like, gash, as if someone, like, took a knife and just, went, <gasps> like, bam, punctured the wheel. And I was like, man, I didn't... Crash this thing, you know. I you didn't never even hit stopped, it. Right? No, like, no, no. Yeah, we just got off the highway. Then I look back at the car report, and it shows that this wheel was booked to be replaced, but obviously they didn't replace it. So we pull over to a gas station because it's unsafe to drive. You know, like air is out, and we're like the dun, the dun, the dun, rolling. We roll into a gas station and spend about seven hours on the phone trying to get through to like roadside assistance in French. In French. Yeah, from because Hertz, you know, gives you a number when you rent the cars. They oh call this if you, you know, have an issue. Seven
1: we, hours? We had an
0: issue, yeah. So oh we were at this gas station, and we met some beautiful, you know, French people <laughs> who basically, they were really nice. They helped us out. You know, they basically called a service for us because we weren't getting through the Hertz. Like, we had, you know, emergency number, but it wasn't picking up. So, you know, the gas station owner hooked us up with one of his buddies. And then they, you know, really helped us out. And then we drove it back to Hertz. And we're like, what the heck? You gave us oh, a bad you got, car? You, he
1: fixed your wheel for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 They even donated like a tire to us, like from one of their cars. Like, like they had
1: like some old tire. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my and God, it, like, that's fit us. Huge. No, it was really
0: nice. I mean- when uh, the big company like doesn't come through, you know, the French Wait. the French people came through.
1: So where were you stranded? Were you just outside of Paris? Or yeah, were like
0: you... forty five minutes outside of Paris in some okay. suburb and <laughs> our car was undrivable.
1: Sorry. No, well, it's you all right. just start your trip basically. Right.
0: So we returned the stick shift car, the faulty one that is. Yeah. And then they give us a new car, but it's automatic. So most of the driving I did in France was not with a stick no! shift. So all that learning was for not. <laughs> Just kidding! You no, know, it it was it was worth learning stick shift. It's it was a good. life
1: skill, but that's like I mean, very in a dark way, hilarious yes. that you like tr- like practice for Quite months. Quite ironic, yes. For months.
0: For months. Yep. And, and then no, you had a half hour. Half hour, flawless half hour. But- other than you know the flat tire, I learned how to drive stick, but I did not learn how to drive a car with a flat tire.
1: Oh man! So other than that.
0: Oh, fantastic Mrs. trip!
1: Lincoln, I was right. Oh, it was
0: such a great trip. I mean, the weather was beautiful, fifty to seventy degrees. Um, the French countryside was just like rolling hills. And there's so much history there, you oh know? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, just a depth of history. The French people were, were again, really nice. Um, Good. And, uh, and just beautiful sights. So beautiful one, cathedrals.
1: one kind of messed up day, basically.
0: One, yes, one messed up day filled okay. with very nice French people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hopefully they gave you croissants along with that tire.
0: <laughs> no, they did not, but they um, were very man. nice.
1: All right. And that'll do it for us on the DMV Download. We are sponsored by Steamfeather's Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World.
0: Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance. Also, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. You can find out more about this podcast at dmvdownload.com, and follow us on all our social media channels. We're posting every day.
1: Also, Luke posted some pretty cool photos from France. Just saying. That's true. You can check it out. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP app. Have a great night, guys.